0: Nous avons commencé hier et vous savez, comme nous avons euh, discuté, comme euh, les avis étaient différents, comme l'un pensait une chose et l'autre pensait l'autre, et en ma qualité de président, je voudrais vous dire que je me suis trouvé plusieurs fois entre le oui et le non, sans savoir exactement euh, quelle était ma fonction. Et remarquez que c'est une chose qui est très possible d'ailleurs, être entre le oui et le non. On dit chez nous, connaissez-vous la différence qu'il y a entre un diplomate et une dame Un diplomate et une lady. Et ça va comme ceci. Quand un diplomate dit oui, ça veut dire maybe, ça veut dire peut-être. Et quand il dit peut-être, ça veut dire non. Mais quand il dit non, ce n'est pas un diplomate. Et pour les dames, les ladies, c'est à la fois la même chose et le contraire. Car quand une dame dit non, ça veut dire peut-être. Et quand elle dit peut-être, ça veut dire oui. Mais quand elle dit oui, ce n'est pas une dame. It's not a lady. Alors vous comprendrez que Comme je ne suis ni diplomate ni dame, je puis me situer exactement entre les oui et les non que vous allez entendre ici aujourd'hui et je voudrais immédiatement passer la parole à monsieur Opolas qui a quelques éclaircissements à vous donner. Et après ça tout à l'heure, j'appellerai des personnes qui ont manifesté le désir de parler, c'est-à-dire Mrs Dial from India, Professor Herzfeld from Germany, Monsieur Balbonten from Chile, uh, monsieur Balachi de Roumanie, Atlob de Germ- de d'Allemagne,
1: Robles de France et Claire Sainte-Soline que je rappellerai après. Uh, je vais prendre la parole en anglais, je je sais parler français mais quand je parle français, je dis des choses parce que je sais les dire tandis que si je parle anglais, euh, je, je dis des choses parce que je les pense. So I'll go on from here in English. Um I'd like really to go on from where we got to with the intervention just before the end yesterday by Mrs. Barbara Tuckman, who uh, from the floor here uh, took issue with uh, Melville Lasky's Lasky's, uh, third answer to the three questions we have to ask ourselves. Uh, if you remember, he and I, at any rate, were in agreement on saying of the first one, that's to say, given the popularity of the document, how does the domain of literature differ today from the wide field cultivated by Saint-Beuve? Uh, his view and mine, and I think that those of a great many of you, was that it hasn't altered all that much. Uh, secondly, the question have the book publisher and the magazine editor assumed prerogatives which do, in fact, trespass upon the writer's creative independence? Again, my feeling, and I think I'm right in saying that of Mr. Melvin, uh, was no, not, not too much on the whole. We agreed that there's a great distinction between art and journalism, that uh, uh, if one writes a poem or a short story, one is legitimately angered, incensed, if a publisher insists on cutting out the last four lines of it, of the poem or the short story, because it's an art, and art should be fairly inviolable. Uh, Though artists perhaps, writers particularly, apt to be sentimental about this in the defense of their rights. But we were also, I think, agreed that there is a sphere of writing where you hire yourself out, you are a journalist, a newspaper man, or similar things, and in that case, you must uh, agree to have certain changes made in your work, cutting perhaps, simplification perhaps, uh, possibly even writing to a certain readership. Uh, we were also, I think, agreed that this can be taken to dangerous extremes and that it's not at all uh, a good thing to encourage <coughs> the kind of mass journalism depersonalized journalism, the kind of boiled down journalism that you get by giving the stories of a lot of individual writers to a rewrite man who simply serves up the thing in house style. And of course, on the question of style, it was on the third question that um, the most interesting thing came up. Does evidence exist that Gresham's law, that's to say bad money driving out good, is in operation? that bad writing is in fact now driving out good writing and the evidence that bad usage is driving out good usage in the written language. And it was Mr. Lasky's uh, proposition that this in fact was happening. Um, it seems to me that this I- in a way is, is, is bound to happen if you get uh, the kind of journalese uh, which goes now it makes for bad thinking and untruthfulness, which is the most important thing to avoid in all communications. Um, I think that we ought now to consider uh, various things like, um, for example, uh, the use of advertising uh, copy. I don't know whether any of you here have. I believe Mr. Lucy Smith has something to say on that subject. Is that so, mister Lucy Um, Lucie-Smith? I
2: don't know whether I have anything to say on the subject of um, advertising specifically except that it is um, of course the example par excellence of the writer um, who is hiring out purely his skill without any um, commitment of himself. Um, the one point which I would like to raise um, because it seems rather consistently to have been dodged in the discussion yesterday, uh, can has already been summed up by Mr. Hope Wallace in his introductory phrase about um, journalists uh, leading to untruthfulness. Um, well, the question which you didn't discuss, though you talked a great deal about morals, um, was. Uh, the extent to which the medium of communication um, actually dictates what you can say, Uh, the extent um, to which the fact that uh, you are using a particular medium um, prevents you from saying some things but offers the possibility of saying others, Um, and the distinction which you didn't make, um, and this is something which I think is very important, is between the two different kinds of morality. Um, when people talked about morals here yesterday, that they were really talking about the Ten Commandments. Um, they were talking about the morals uh, which apply to everyone, and presumably always have applied. Um, and the question which arose in my mind is whether one can talk about a literary morality as separate from this. Um, The sort of point I'm trying to make is that writers are very much exposed to all kinds of uh, uh, political pressures as we know and are are therefore uh, forced to make moral stands more often than most people and we rightly honor among writers those who have shown conspicuous moral courage as for example Madame Ocampo was sitting on the platform here yesterday and whom I now see uh, in the audience. Um, But I don't think that we should confuse this kind of thing
0: Merci infiniment. Mais maintenant, à ce moment de la table ronde, je sais que depuis hier, il y a plusieurs personnes dans la salle qui désirent dire quelque chose. Et avant de faire appel aux membres qui sont ici à côté de moi, je voudrais demander si Mrs. dial comme indiqué ici, You have the parole? You don't want to talk? Thank you. Uh, what about Professor Hertzfeld? We have the word, sir.
3: As far as I know, most artists will agree that writing or painting or whatever it is is also a handicraft. Mm. But yes. not all handicraft is art. And it's very difficult to distinguish where ends handicraft, to be only handicraft, and what is art uh, being added to it. If it's handicraft only, so usually problems don't arise, which do arise in the very moment uh, the writer means to be or wants to be or is an artist, because then language he is producing on paper tells him when he is not right. I mean, sometimes ink goes too easily from the pen to the paper. And this easiness usually is an indication that work is done not with real strength, but with a kind of indifference to what it says. Or otherwise, if you are writing and things become hard for you to express, then you should not only think how can I better express it, but also is that what I want to express, not the reason for the fact that I don't know how to express it well. I think there is an interconnection between what you are saying and how you are saying And uh, art is just that which um, refuses itself in the very moment when uh, you are superficial or you write something you don't believe really yourself. Now, the cooperation with other men demands a certain cooperation of convictions or of aims. So if three men are writing together in a way, the one is editing, the other makes a copy, and so on, as long as they all agree they want to sell a toothpaste, then then it's rather easy to find a way how to do it, and naturally they will find, uh, look not so much to the qualities of the toothpaste, but um, uh, to find a point where the reader is um, taken in by. But in the very moment things become um, so difficult that even two men not so easily agree on all the details, then the writing becomes again what, is usually, what it is usually. It's not cooperate, not cooperation. But one is writing, the, under, the other one is judging, and the judging or criticism mm-hmm. of literature is one of the ways to deal with other men's purposes. Because the, the the one who is criticizing uh, criticizes as well the way. Uh, writing is done as the contents of what is written. And now the question is whether criticism is a thing which is being criticized by those who are producing. And as long as that is possible, it's fairly all right. But in the large plants of uh, printing and publishing, it's very tough to find out who is criticizing and uh, sometimes time doesn't even allow the aspect because next Sunday's a, a thick paper has to appear, and so on, and under those conditions, you are in a mill where you have to throw in what you think and what you write, and you are glad if that what comes out still resembles to that what you did. I'm not always opposed against this process because very often, The editor or the one who is criticizing what he is reading is a helper. And uh, you cannot generalize and always say the writer, the creative man is always right and the other one is never right. I wouldn't say that. But I think you should never subject yourself a criticism who comes from another source of opinion. And that is a main issue of the whole thing we are talking about. I think that uh, a man of honest thinking stops working for opinions which he doesn't uh, agree with. The other processes are maybe sometimes sometimes painful, sometimes um, uh, ugly things may interfere, and so on, but that is not such imp- of such importance. Now, there's a man who says, well, I have a family, or uh, myself, I have to dress and to eat, and so on, I can't help, I have to sell myself. No, a writer by profession, who has to sell himself is no writer anymore, he's a professional, that's true. But I think if you look at the facts of um, writing, then you see that best writers usually had also another profession. And I think this idea to give a man who is somewhat able with 18 years or or with 20 to do uh, uh, well writing, to tell him immediately that's your profession that's a dangerous thing. I would always say, no to do something else, so you may protect your integrity as a writer. As, then I think you will stay to be a good writer.
0: Je remercie l'orateur pour ses considérations intéressantes, mais j'ai vu que Monsieur Lucy Smith réagit violemment de son côté et qu'il a envie de répondre.
2: advertising has also spread to the continent of Europe, Um, and I would like to point out one or two things about this profession. First of all, advertising is only a word for mechanized selling. Um, Mechanized selling is doing on a large scale what has always been done um, in Western European societies ever since the rise of capitalism. Secondly, um, the word, in fact, is a very subordinate factor in advertising. The advertising copywriter, the advertising designer are really one and the same thing, they are inventors of images and this ought never to be forgotten. Um, The uh, submission of the pen uh, to the purpose of selling uh, seems to me a a, a secondary consideration um, and and really a very minimal interest. Um, If you are prepared to live in the sort of society in which advertising exists and which it forms so large a prop, um, then I think that it is very difficult uh, to moralize honestly about it. Um, The second point is I noticed uh, in Professor Hertzfelder's discourse a tendency to talk about the pen and to talk about paper and to talk about this kind of thing. And um, despite um, the tone of Professor McLuhan's discourse, which I must confess that I myself found uh, very disagreeable and unacceptably egotistic. There was a a point which uh, I think he did make and and which ought to be remade, and that is um, the opening up of new means. You see, for example, what happens in the case of a man who is actually using a tape recorder in order to write? Um, This is, after all, a very common practice amongst a great many successful authors. Uh, Do we say that this is not literature? Do we say it's not too easy? Do we say it makes a different kind of communication? Uh, These are the sort of questions which I think we ought to talk about. I do wish that we could make some decision about the question of morals, just how far we're going to introduce them, just what sort of morals we're going to talk about.
0: Je vous remercie infiniment. Et à ce moment-ci, il me semble qu'il y a deux membres de notre table ronde qui n'est pas ici hier à qui je devrais demander leur avis. Say Monsieur Keane qui n'a encore rien dit, Je suis persuaded he brûle de vous dire des choses important.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Goffin. I'm not sure that I'm burning, but I, I shall I have some statements to make. Uh, first of all, it seems to me that of all the remarks made yesterday, uh, there were none really to the point on the question of the writer as collaborator. It was almost entirely the writer as victim, uh, the writer as the exploited member of an unhappy combination of people. Uh, It seems to me that uh, we should discuss not only the writer as an unwilling collaborator, but as the writer as a a member of a a partnership uh, which he very much desires to be a member of. Um, I realize that not all writers are interested in this that many writers prefer to write entirely by themselves. Uh, yesterday, Mr. Lasky um, related an anecdote, uh, uh, a point of which was, why, do, uh, why aren't you writing then if you are really a writer? Why do you come to this conference and so on? However, the fact is that there are people here present uh, and these people presumably think it's worthwhile to spend their time away from their particular Uh, craft of a writer in order to collaborate in some way with other people There are certain times of collaboration which we all envy and would like to take part in ourselves For example, one imagined that Mr. Orton was very happy to collaborate with Stravinsky in writing The Rake's Progress Uh, One can imagine too that a poet uh, who was fortunate in his illustrator would feel that the the privilege of collaboration was very great and that he was by no means a victim we might be, go beyond this to think of the possibilities of collaboration between the writer and the typographer. Uh, perhaps some of you have seen the stunning volume published by Gallimard of de Style of Cano, uh, which is a, a triumph of virtuosity in, pub, in, in publication. Uh, this, or the recent works of uh, Monsieur Michel Buteau, which uh, show an, an awareness of possibilities of expression Uh, through exploitation of collaboration in the graphic arts, as it were. But beyond that, there are many other possibilities of collaboration of the writer which he should welcome if he's that kind of writer. Uh, First of all, uh, the writer as teacher, uh, collaborating with with pupils, with students, and so on. Mr. Bellow had some sardonic remarks to make on this subject. I hope this was an instance of his famed irony. Uh, Certainly, few writers Uh, can intentionally or otherwise have benefited as much from the kind of person he was satirizing as himself. Indeed he is a writer at a university, a teacher himself. Uh, The irony must be double-edged. The poet in residence has become a familiar phenomenon in many universities. The poet who uh, devotes part of his time uh, to reading poems by his students. Uh, This might seem to be a pandering of his time Uh, that the poet should be completely free to write his own poetry. I believe this is completely false. Traditionally in every society the poet's uh, profession includes the reading of poetry by other people in fact in many societies, for example that of Japan with which I'm particularly familiar, the sole source of income for poets over the centuries was reading other people's poetry and helping them to write better poetry. This seems to me an important function of any uh, poet, and it could be true, of course, of prose writers. Uh, I mention next a subject which is extremely important to me, the writer as translator. I needn't bore you all with, the, with a speech on the importance of translation. You've heard it already. Uh, what I want to talk about briefly is the importance of good translation. Uh, I was recently a member of a committee uh, organized by the American Pen, uh, which awarded a prize in translation. We read perhaps 50 translations done by Americans and English translators, Uh, with great difficulty we found one that was worthy of a prize. And we were reading uh, without prejudice from many translations from many languages. The standard of translation is deplorable. A bad translation is not necessarily better than no translation. I spoke with um, an editor in Paris who complained that she had received a translation of Japanese uh, literature which was so bad it was not even French, she couldn't conceivably publish it. Uh, I speak then next of the possibility of cooperative translation. Ideally, of course, uh, we should all learn difficult languages and translate into them ourselves as writers, people capable of writing better than ordinary people. Uh, Nevertheless, sometimes this is not possible. Uh, I addressed the Pen Club Congress in Tokyo in 1957 speaking about the shortage of Japanese translators, translators from Japanese into English. I'm sorry to say there are probably fewer such people working today than in 1957. The number from Chinese, uh, perhaps three or four in the world capable of translating from Chinese into English. Uh, I don't expect that writers who have achieved eminence already will give up their work for five years to learn a difficult Oriental language but the possibilities of collaboration, particularly in poetry, are enormous. Uh, These translations uh, may uh, be important to us not only as uh, examples of this tedious UNESCO uh, propaganda for mutual understanding but in terms of our pleasure and our inspiration. Uh, That such translations are being done now. Many more could be done with the encouragement of Penn incidentally instead of deploring all the things that are wrong with uh, writing today, with all the ways that writers are being badly uh, exploited, unfortunate collaborations, I think there are possibilities of fortunate collaborations which Penn specifically could encourage. Next, I'll mention briefly the writer as publisher. We have spoken yesterday, uh, it seemed as if the writer and publisher were enemies, but increasingly today, the writer is the publisher. the the number of literary quarterlies that are appeared under the names of distinguished writers is growing all the time. The publisher, the writer then, as publisher, has a peculiar responsibility and that is of encouraging and discouraging other writers. And this he is a collaborator too. It is easy, of course, to send all the manuscripts back with a printed slip saying uh, considerations (coughs) of space prevent us from publishing this. It is a great deal more difficult, of course, uh, to uh, in, uh, to take the time and trouble to say why. Uh, I don't think this should be done, say, if an American writes to a, an American literary quarterly. I think this is a waste of time. If he has no talent, he'll learn it soon enough. Uh, but at the moment, there are writers in other parts of the world who's, uh, who should be encouraged or discouraged. I'm speaking specifically of writers from Asia and Africa. Uh, these writers are, are now uh, creating new literatures. Uh, this is a time when we can help them Perhaps none of you feel any responsibility to do this. I I think the responsibility, though, is there. Uh, In the past, some magazines edited by writers have put forth special issues on Japan, special issues on India, and so on, special issues on the Philippines. Uh, I think this is a great mistake. Uh, I think that if a work of Japanese or Filipino or Uh, Thai literature is of any use. It should be included in a magazine with other things so that there is a standard. That you're not suddenly abandoning all standards to have a a complete issue devoted to the the literature of X country saying, well, we'll we'll for the moment forget that it's no good because we're doing a good deed. Uh, It is like a concert of all American music. Uh, Most people would stay away. Uh, Those who go uh, will admire it for the wrong reasons. (laughs) Uh, I think then that the the, the writer as publisher uh, is capable now of of doing a great deal of useful work uh, in pioneering new literatures. And finally, the writer as reader. Uh, The writer, uh, of course, uh, is uh, is presumably reading a great deal all the time anyway, but I wonder if he reads widely enough. I wonder if the people who read The New Yorker, a, a periodical which I should say would be of very little use to anybody. Uh, If such people uh, read, say, Transition, uh, a magazine consciously titled after the old one, uh, published in Kampala, Uganda, a magazine which I find extremely important and interesting, or for example, Miscellany published in Calcutta, these published in the English language, there are others I know published in French other languages. Are you reading these? Why not? Are you reading the translations that UNESCO is sponsoring and putting out from the various languages. If not, why do you prefer to read uh, these uh, third and fourth-rate American novels which you so brilliantly dissect? I think it is about time uh, that the writer as a reader, uh, in other words, as a person who is capable of enriching himself and beyond that, enriching other people should be considered. I think particularly of the writers who are readers. Uh, too, in, uh, in particular, for example, in Argentina, Borges, who reads, has read a great deal of um, Oriental literature, and my own friend in Mexico, Octavio Paz, uh, who has experimented with Japanese literary forms, with Chinese forms, who knows India very well—in fact, is the Mexican ambassador to India at this moment—such uh, writers uh, are the best kind of readers, the ones who make it worthwhile for people to write. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Mesdames, mesdames et messieurs, j'ai entendu parler de, des traductions des Nations Unies, et je me demande si notre ami Roger Cailloua n'est pas là, parce qu'il est certain que ça devrait l'intéresser. Mais je vois qu'il a, qu'il est sorti. Je remercie Monsieur Keane de nous avoir parlé de la situation des poètes et des victimes. Euh, je voulais vous demander s'il n'y avait pas parmi vous une victime qui pouvait exprimer cette situation. Est-ce qu'il n'y a pas, puisqu'il n'y a pas de victime parmi vous, un bourreau qui pourrait expliquer l'autre côté de la question Ne répondez pas tous ensemble. <rire> eh bien, vous voyez que nous sommes dans un monde extraordinaire open club où il n'y a ni victime, ni bourreau. Et à ce moment-là, je vais passer la parole à Madame Chute.
5: I cannot qualify as a victim because as far as I personally am concerned the subject does not relate to me directly because I am what they call a scholar and a scholar has no way of collaborating with anyone else's purposes. He can collaborate as reader or or with printers but he cannot collaborate on purposes. The scholar has his own purpose which consists of trying to find out from the documents as well as he can the truth as far as he sees it and to express it as well as he is able. And he cannot listen to any other voice except the voice of the documents as he finds them. And perhaps one of the major reasons for the existence of universities is that they can create a kind of a sheltered space where the person who wants to do that can be safe without thinking of whether he can make money on it or not. A few of us who call ourselves scholars are fortunate enough to have chosen subjects that the general public wants to read. For instance, I myself, in the course of my writing, wrote a book on Shakespeare. And because it was a book of the month and people wanted to read it, I was free for the first time to go and visit England, which is a place I was writing about. I found, however, that I had written about it better from the documents than I would have ever written about it in seeing it. I want to go on to say that most of the biographies I have written have been of poets, and I am very interested in this subject of a great talent being bent out of shape by the need for money. I think with the speaker from the floor that the only solution to such people is indeed to have another trade. I noticed it particularly in the cases of two great writers of the Renaissance who were close friends, William Shakespeare and Ben Johnson. William Shakespeare had a trade, he was an actor and he acted all his creative adult life, and he made all his money as an actor. Therefore, as a writer, he was free to do as he wished, and you can tell he was free because they never expected him in his company to follow a hit like Hamlet with another play just like Hamlet. He wrote something different always the next time. His very dear friend, Ben Johnson, had no trade. He started as an actor. He was a bad actor. He gave it up. He did hack work for many years. He found work in Shakespeare's company where they did not want hack work and wrote his four great plays for them. And after that, it was a constant struggle, a constant battle to find people who could support him or who would ask him to do work for them. And in the great talent of Ben Johnson, you can see it spreading out like water in sand. He could not concentrate it because he could not put his whole attention on what he himself wanted to say. Now, it is no, no wrong thing for, an, for a writer to have a trade. T.S. Eliot was an editor. We Two of our greatest American poets of the 20th century both sold insurance. And they, did, they sold insurance well and they wrote poetry well. The first biography I ever wrote of Geoffrey Chaucer, who was ranked as the second greatest poet to Shakespeare, was all his life a civil servant, adding up accounts, and in his spare time he wrote poetry. And the reason to to finish my remarks, because they will be brief, the reason why there is no harm in having a trade is that the most important thing about writing to me, and I think to most of us here, is the great joy of doing it. It is the greatest fun in the world. It is our privilege, our hobby, our delight. And if we can find a place in our lives for that and have to do a trade for something else, all right, we'd have to. Other people have done it before us, great ones before us, and we can do it too. And if we're lucky enough not to have to, well, then we're grateful for that.
0: Je remercie madame Chu pour son sa brillante intervention et s'il n'y a personne qui veut prendre la parole sur ce point particulier je voudrais appeler monsieur Florentino des Philippines pour nous apporter son point de vue.
6: What I will say here will be in the nature of a parenthetical statement and you will know why. I represent the Philippines, a young small country of 7000 islands. 27 million people and more than a dozen dialects who was under, which was under the Spanish d- domination for 350 years, under American occupation for 46 years and has existed for 20 years as a democratic republic. I speak here representing the Philippines and incidentally maybe any of these small young African and Asian nations represented out there. Uh, It is quite a shock for an Asian to be thrown into a conference like this where the subject matter and the majority of the participants uh, are from the viewpoint of the European or American stand. The problem of the Asian or African or at least the Filipino writer is not the threat of the electronic age or the end of the Gutenberg era. Uh, I was surprised when I first uh, heard Mr. McLuhan talk about instant information retrieval and electric circuitry. Uh, the problem in the Philippines is an, the lack of an electric lamp to read by, and I think this is true in most of the small young Asian countries in Africa and Asia. The problem of, the, of, of my country is not the threat posed by a mass audience, but the search for a market for its literature and its arts. The problem is not of the writer being used for other men's purposes. The writers and the artists have not even been used for his own or his arts purposes. The problem is not the degradation of language, but the search for a language. Even at this stage, some of my country and some of the other countries, which have been under Western colonization have not even decided in which language to write. We are still deciding that. Shall we use one of our native languages or the language left by our former colonizer, English? The problem is not the vulgarization of the publishing industry, but the attempt to set up one in the face of a flood of foreign books and paperbacks, foreign TV, and foreign movie, and the entry of insidious organizations trying to expand the world market into Asia and Africa. The problem is not the end of the Gutenberg era, but our entry into it. We are still using the letterpress and the Minerva and uh, have not even used the letter set offset for book publishing. I think this will point up the need to conduct, maybe in the future, for a conference or seminar on the problems of the Asian, African and maybe some Latin American problems in, in the arts in publishing and editing. Thank you.
7: Hier
0: après-midi, mesdames et messieurs, monsieur Sternberger nous a apporté euh, plusieurs points de vue qui étaient intéressants. Je voudrais lui demander s'il n'a plus rien à nous dire cigarette.
8: <laughs> well, what, Mr. Chairman, what I tried to say at this first session yesterday is, as I feel it, very much connected with, uh, with what we heard this morning uh, said by Mr. Keene. I also tried yesterday to uh, give some exams, most of them historical ones, Unfortunately, while Mr. Keene concentrated on the present day situation uh, of what he very rightly and very fittingly calls uh, fortunate kinds of collaboration uh, 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 and I, I, I try to insist and, and I do so and I do so now uh, that uh, uh, this is uh, uh, a very necessary uh, aspect uh, of this of this problem which is before us, in order not to fall into this obsession uh, of of, of, uh, of a writer uh, being uh, being uh, uh, under constant threat and under constant uh, under constant pursuit uh, of some of some uh, uh, of some uh, uh, either nonsensical or egoistic or or, or else, uh, uh, mass-bound uh, monsters. Uh, and uh, uh, I think I think we do not su- we would not succeed uh, with uh, uh, in dealing with this uh, with this whole uh, theme of ours uh, if we just only oppose uh, talk about the opposition between the individual writer on the one hand. Uh, 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 the creative writer, uh, on the one hand, as an individual, uh, who, who follows uh, what he has in mind, who follows his visions, or else, or else his or else his scholarly uh, aims, uh, and on the other hand, these worldly, earthly, uh, materialistic forces, uh, 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 with which with which he always has, uh, uh, um, amongst which uh, he always has to find his way. We, we, we only are able, I think, uh, to deal with this if we, dis- if we decidedly uh, try to distinguish between the kinds of collaboration, fortunate ones, I, I, I accept your expression, fortunate ones and unfortunate ones. And as I tried yesterday, there is of course, in this distinction, always as Mr. Lucy Smith insisted before, always a moral, uh, question involved. I mean, I, I put it in a very elementary and a uh, very school-like manner by saying everything depends on, on whether you are voluntarily identifying um, yourself with these purposes uh, in which or under which or for which you are collaborating with other people or whether you are not identifying yourself. As long as you identify yourself you are in a very lucky position, I mean, to collaborate. Why not? I have to collaborate. Thank
0: you. J'ai l'impression que Monsieur Lasky, là-bas, avait pris des notes. Je ne sais pas s'il a envie de recommencer le duel de hier.
8: It was not a duel, really. We were in complete agreement a question and answer. Do you agree, Mr.
9: Lasky? Yes, I'm in agreement I, with Professor uh, Stenberg. I'm in slung, slight disagreement with uh, what I would think to be some of the simple correlations in the relationship between the writer, uh, his motives, his sincerity, his quality. We tend to assume very sentimentally uh, that if he is sincere, he will be good, and if his motives are good, there will be quality. There was a little bit of that in the interesting remarks of Herr Wieland Herzfelder. He assumed there was some kind of direct correlation. If there is bad writing, it must be somehow the consequence of bad cause. And if there is a good cause, it will somehow, by the very justice of the gods, of the literary gods, issue in good writing. I think uh, this is a fallacy. It's, uh, one doesn't want to be too dialectical, too paradoxical about it. But we know, Professor Stambiger mentioned yesterday John Locke. Certainly, John Locke was a fine writer, and John Milton was a fine writer. The causes they represented were quite diametrically opposed causes. One was arguing for Oliver Cromwell. One was arguing for the next revolution that came thereafter, both issued in magnificent styles, magnificent prose works. In the, that was true of the English Revolution. It was certainly true of, in another sense, of the French Revolution. Marat was a brilliant stylist, I think. The man who killed him, or the forces that killed him, were also full of brilliant stylists. Robespierre, I think, was brilliant, clear, and powerful. So was Saint-Just. Brilliant, clear, and powerful. Their cause, at least when they were at their greatest power, had become something less progressive and something less good. There isn't that correlation between good causes, good writing, good motives, and what comes out. British, French, even the Russian Revolution proves that most dramatically. I don't know what profound moral or political differences there were between Trotsky and Stalin, but certainly the cause uh, that Trotsky defended with so much uh, brilliance, with such a genius as a phrase maker and as an historian, went down and the cause that issued in the most leaden and almost illiterate Russian prose triumphed for 30 years. Because of that, I am at a completely different extreme of this problem, puzzled by the simple way in which the problem of advertising and the writer of advertising is handled. We're all grown up in a hatred if we've ever tried to write a poem or an honest sentence with the horror of the advertising man's prose. Madison Avenue replaced Wall Street Well, it's characteristic, at least in this town, the three great literary evils are streets. uh, Wall Street, which exploits us and dominates us. Broadway, which manipulates us. Madison Avenue, which brainwashes us. I think we're reconsidering somehow over the last 20 or 30 years whether uh, this is, in fact, true. Um, Who is going to do the advertising writing? Is it at all necessary? My simple schoolboy attitude was that the price of beer would be two pennies cheaper if we didn't have to pay for all of these terrible billboards up and down the country advertising this, that everything would be cheaper. Uh, And the advertising was not only vulgar and stupid, but a profound waste of national resources. What I hear now from the sociologists and the political economists is that it is very difficult to run. An industrial society without the social mechanism of advertising. If one looks at the problems of Eastern Europe on the mechanical distribution of goods, it is a a source of tremendous waste to produce a soap and not to be able to stimulate or call people's attention to the fact that it is there. The notion that you put a little item in the paper and say a new soap has now been issued, uh, comrades go out and buy it, is not found to be the proper and effective way of distributing this. So there has to be some kind of advertising medium, and it is an exercise for a writer. Uh, I wouldn't like to do it, but if I had to do it, I would puzzle over the fact, how can it be done uh, better rather than worse? And by better, I mean both. Uh, effective as a professional job and one which has certain social consequences. The old notion of advertising, which simply says this is terrific, go out and buy it, has of course uh, been uh, superseded. I think anybody who has been a faithful reader of the New Yorker over the last 20 years will I think say that the prose and the images and some of the ideas, some of the treatments that have gone on in the advertising pages have been in many respects Whittier, a lively, greater source of amusement than what went on in some of the pages between all of these uh, advertisements. Um, I, think the, I think that what has happened is that there has been a professionalization, a cultivation, if you wish, a raising of standards, an increase in sophistication, an awareness of the cliche, an attempt, a dangerous attempt possibly, to substitute a new cliche, uh, for the old. But that is really a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Uh, uh, soon we now have, uh, as soon as there is a new attempt, uh, one discovers a new witty way of putting something. I'm, uh, I'm uh, consistently amused by the attempt of one great uh, motor company, a motor hire company, not the very best, but the second best, Uh, uh, to put its ideas over. These things have been unfailingly uh, witty and amusing. I don't know the anonymous writer who does it. Uh, I imagine that if he had uh, another trade, uh, uh, as Mr. Schutt represents, possibly he could be producing some of the great comic novels of our time. Possibly it is a wasting of talent. But I don't think that we ought to take the old-fashioned, simple attitude. Somebody has to do this work, it would be my first point, and that work can be done more effectively, adding a little bit to the, to the gaiety of the nations rather than to its depression.
0: Uh,
1: I must just point out to uh, Stalasky that every newspaper and most magazines would instantly have to close down if they weren't uh, taking in advertising, it's the advertising simply which pays uh, everything. I mean, we must remember that the New Yorker couldn't appear at all unless it was full of advertisements.
0: Mm. <coughs> uh, I si thank you very much and we will pass the floor to Mr. Bloch-Michel.
10: If you can permit, I will m'éloign un petit peu de these questions qui viennent d'être traitées. Pour revenir à celle qui nous est posée euh, en dernier lieu dans notre questionnaire, sur la question de savoir si euh, la, bonne littéra- la mauvaise littérature euh, chasse la bonne en raison des, euh, des, du, de la soumission, disons, ou de l'influence que pourraient avoir euh, certaines institutions et certains moyens de communication sur les écrivains. Je pense que la question a été, jusqu'à présent, envisagée dans un seul sens. Et je voudrais me permettre de vous signaler qu'elle peut être envisagée dans l'autre. Bien entendu, les écrivains qui travaillent pour la radio et pour le cinéma, par exemple pour la télévision, doivent se plier à un certain nombre de règles qui sont celles de ces techniques. Mais il se trouve que ces techniques, qui sont des techniques tout à fait nouvelles, sont en même temps créatrices de forme et créatrices de formes esthétiques qui n'avaient jamais existé et qui sont absolument nouvelles elles ont, il y a si vous voulez on pourrait le dire, un art de la radio un art de la télévision et un art euh, du cinéma qui n'a rien à voir ni avec la photographie ni avec le théâtre ni avec la simple, le simple usage de la parole le résultat de la création de ces formes nouvelles a été que ces formes ont influencé une certaine littérature et que bien loin de précipiter les écrivains dans dans ce qu'on pourrait appeler le mauvais style, c'est-à-dire ce style de de l'annonce parlée ou ou du reportage sportif de celui qui suit une partie de cricket ou de football, Il les a convaincus qu'il fallait rechercher des formes nouvelles qui correspondaient à une transposition dans la littérature de ce qui existait dans ces moyens de communication. C'est une chose que nous voyons en France et il y a en particulier toute une école romanesque à l'heure actuelle qui euh, consciemment ou inconsciemment transporte dans la littérature certains procédés qui sont nés soit dans le cinéma soit dans la radio. Euh, les romans d'Europe Grillet sont tous inspirés par ce qu'on peut appeler le récit en image par un, une sorte de récit cinématographique qui n'a rien à voir avec le récit traditionnel que connaissait jusqu'à présent la littérature de son côté un homme comme Michel Butor a essayé dans toutes ses dernières œuvres qui sont à mon avis infiniment contestables sur le plan de la réussite mais qui sont extrêmement intéressantes Dans, son, dans leur projet, de transporter dans des livres, dans des œuvres littéraires, les possibilités que donnait la multiplicité des voix et la multiplicité de ce qu'on appelle les canaux dans euh, les œuvres radiophoniques ou stéréophoniques. Le résultat, par conséquent, de l'influence des moyens de communication sur la littérature n'est pas celui que Melvin Lasky dénonçait hier. Ou plutôt il n'est pas seulement celui-là. Il est certain que dans le journalisme, l'utilisation d'un certain langage nouveau est une chose catastrophique comme il nous le montrait hier. Mais il ne faut pas généraliser et l'existence de ces moyens de communication nouveaux a au contraire précipité certains écrivains, de nombreux écrivains dans des recherches de style, dans des recherches purement formelles. Et par conséquent, il y a eu une, certain, une sorte de renversement et euh, la découverte de ces formes nouvelles qui étaient peut-être dans une certaine manière contradictoires avec la littérature a amené certains écrivains à se plonger dans des recherches purement littéraires. C'est dans cette mesure que je pense que, une fois encore, notre réponse à la question numéro 3 ne peut pas être oui. La conséquence de cette situation est que la mauvaise littérature chasse la bonne. Car cette situation a aussi créé une littérature extrêmement sophistiquée, extrêmement savante et qu'on peut aimer ou ne pas aimer mais qui est certainement de l'excellente littérature. Par conséquent, en ce qui me concerne, je réponds non à la troisième question.
0: Euh, mesdames et Messieurs, je voudrais pour ma part, si vous le permettez, répondre à un mot à ce que vient de dire Monsieur euh, Bloc Michel. À mon sens, oui, la mauvaise littérature chasse la bonne. Pourquoi? Elle le chasse parce que au moment où les deux paraissent, <coughs> au moment par exemple, où des poèmes vont paraître, ou quand, quand ils paraissent. Ils ne sont pas lus parce que le public, généralement, va vers une forme qui est plus facile. Nous constatons qu'il y a une, une loi qui dirige la littérature, qui veut que les poètes ne sont jamais connus au moment où ils publient. Ils doivent passer par une forme de purgatoire, ça dure très longtemps, et même lorsqu'ils sont confrontés avec les politiciens, les politiciens semblent se moquer d'eux, et pourtant... Est-il vrai de dire que ce sont les poètes qui font les pays De siècle en siècle, ne voyez-vous pas que lorsqu'on parle d'un pays, ce sont les poètes qui les représentent Et alors on voit des choses aussi invraisemblables que celles-ci. On voit par exemple un poète qui a été condamné, comme Verlaine, qui a été condamné à deux ans de prison à Bruxelles, par un ministre qui était tout-puissant à l'époque, Eh bien, il y a 50 ans, ou il y a 60 ans, que ce ministre a été oublié et que Verlaine vit et continue à vivre. Et il en est de même de Rimbaud. Et il en est de même de Victor Hugo. Souvenez-vous lorsque Victor Hugo a voulu écrire contre Napoléon III. Eh bien, à ce moment-là, il y eut un politicien, un ministre, à la Chambre des députés à Bruxelles qui protesta en disant « Est-ce qu'on va bientôt expulser cet individu Victor Hugo ?» Et laissez-moi vous dire que c'est grâce à Victor Hugo que le nom de l'intéressé est passé euh, dans la légende, car Victor Hugo a écrit ces deux vers vengeurs en parlant des gens qui s'étaient réunis à la Chambre des députés. Il a dit « Pour comble de malheur, les animaux parlèrent. Un certain Ribocourt m'appelle individu. C'était en effet le conte de Ribocourt qui l'avait fait. Je crois qu'il serait intéressant de constater l'espèce de confrontation, cette limitation dans le temps et dans la continuation entre ceux qui sont les producteurs, les écrivains, et ceux qui les dirigent sur le plan politique. Il y a presque toujours, à mon sens, un abîme. Mais j'ai tenu...
2: I'd like to take up um, several things uh, which have been said by the past three speakers and try and put them together. Um, first of all, I think one can take um, the view that language is the barometer of a society and that one can't talk of a language being sick without talking of society being sick. Um, and it's been very often the purpose of... Um, Literary critics of a, pol- of a more political or moralizing tendency um, to use um, the attack on language um, as a kind of veil or front uh, for the attack on the critique of society itself. Um, a good example, uh, just republished in England, is Mrs. Q.D. Leavis's book, uh, Fiction and the Reading Public. Um, but I don't think that you can really separate um, language from the whole of the rest of, of the social nexus. Um, and that would bring me not only to advertising um, but to Monsieur Bloch-Michel's remarks which I find extremely interesting um, it seems to me that what we're dealing with um, is a pair of ideas, the stumbling block and the stepping stone um, the stumbling block uh, is the extent to which the collaboration uh, forces the writer to do something which he doesn't wish to do uh, forces him out of his natural track uh, the stepping stone um, is the degree to which the arbitrary limits, the arbitrary framework imposed on him by some medium, such as the radio, um, acts um, as a means of getting to a place uh, where he couldn't have got on his own. Um, That I think that it is quite true, and always has been true, um, that forms actually suggest creative ideas. And I can even bring in the question of advertising here. I said, um, perhaps too cryptically, uh, that the advertising copywriter was a man who was concerned with words um, very much less than everybody supposes. Um, In fact, advertising is part of an aspect of our culture uh, which we haven't discussed uh, perhaps sufficiently, um, which is the meshing together of the seen um, and the heard of the printed word, the spoken word, and the image. Um, We live in a a world where everything is being synthesized, and this is one of the great difficulties uh, when one starts to talk about literature in the mid-20th century, that one is no longer certain whether literature isn't as much a sequence of images, a sequence of pictures, um, as it was of words on the page. And it is this kind of thing, for example, which particularly Uh, concerns the television writer. Um, What I'd like to say really is this um, as a suggestion, that I would suggest that literature hasn't always fulfilled the same function in every society, that it has tended to change its role as society changes. Um, This is more easier to prove in painting, that for example, the role played by the tomb paintings of the Egyptians is visibly different in Egyptian society or of the Old Kingdom, from the role played by uh, the paintings of Jackson Pollock in the American society of the mid 20th century, um, and for example, if you take um, the poet uh, to whom Mr. Goffin uh, gives such a very high place um, and such a very formidable role, you see that his uh, role has tended to shift as well. Um, that one thing which one would point to is the increasing tendency um, to write poems for performance, which one finds in Russia with such poets as Woznisensky and Yevtushenko, uh, and in America with such poets as Allen Ginsberg, um, that I think um, when you're talking of the collaboration, uh, you are apt to condemn it um, because one is thinking in terms of one framework while the area of activity has already shifted to another. Um, and this is what I think we must be very careful about in this discussion. Um, whether we are asking the writer, in fact, to play a role which he's already grown out of.
0: Mesdames et messieurs, nous avons à saluer la présence parmi nous de Monsieur Chiara, qui vient d'arriver, qui est le représentant de l'Italie. Et j'ai l'impression qu'il est non seulement décent, mais courtois, que nous lui passions immédiatement la parole pour nous apporter le point de vue méditerranéen sur la question.
11: Je crois que... Je m'excuse avant tout de parler une langue qui n'est pas la mienne et dans laquelle je me débrouille avec certaines difficulté Je pense que les points de vue méditerranéens peuvent être très bien exposés euh, Pour mes coll- par mes collègues français qui sont peut-être dans la partie plus vive de la culture européenne et des discussions que dans ces années, se suivent partout. De l'Italie, on regarde beaucoup à ce qui arrive dans le domaine de la littérature en France. Et on peut dire que c'est une unité européenne a été rejointe, on l'a rejointe peut-être un peu sur ces idées de littérature, société, rapport entre la littérature et la société, entre les écrivains, les écrivains et la société euh, contemporaine. À ce point de vue, et d'une façon tout à fait personnelle, je me permets d'observer que la société, avec tous les problèmes sociaux, n'est qu'un moment dans le développement de la communauté humaine. Donc, la société est un peu une abstraction, tandis que l'homme est quelque chose de réel de unique, je dirais de immuable. Donc, c'est toujours l'homme, les, l'objet de l'histoire, l'objet de chaque philosophie, et donc aussi l'objet de l'art, de la littérature. Les rapports entre l'homme de l'être et la société et les problèmes sociaux. A mon point de vue, c'est une question euh, des rapports un peu extérieurs, pas toujours et fortement euh, vécu comme l'expérience individuelle, personnelle de l'écrivain.
0: Merci beaucoup. Je pense que M. Sternberger avait demandé la parole et je la lui passe. Je voudrais vous dire immédiatement une, une petite euh, observation. C'est que nous croyons bien faire en ne, n'accordant pas d'interruption pour le café à 11 heures. En effet, nous avons constaté hier que au moment où les gens sont partis, beaucoup ne sont plus revenus. Alors nous allons préférer continuer et vous libérer plus tôt. Nous avons l'impression que cela vaut mieux. Je pense que vous serez d'accord avec moi.
8: I just want to add only uh, briefly uh, one uh, particular field of what uh, we uh, agreed to call fortunate kind of collaboration uh, which uh, perhaps has not been looked at uh, before in this uh, debate. uh, Namely, uh, the collaboration of writers uh, with politicians. Uh, In uh, and, I mean, with politicians in, in, within, within the framework of the free world. Um, we had, a, we had a quite an interesting experience in Germany, in, in, in the Federal Republic of Germany, uh, at last year's uh, federal, uh, uh, federal diet campaign, uh, when uh, for the first time since uh, this uh, Federal Republic exists, a bunch of professional writers, I don't mean uh, I don't mean uh, uh, party journalists, but uh, independent writers, including, for instance, Gunther Grass, uh, as a notable figure, and, uh, and some others, uh, decided uh, to uh, join the campaigners of the Social Democratic Party, uh, which was uh, a lucky instance, I feel, of, uh, uh, of collaboration, although, uh, the, uh, or some parts at any rate, of the party functionaries uh, did not feel uh, extremely happy uh, in, uh, in some cases uh, about this uh, kind of collaboration because uh, uh, I, I think they felt it was too, uh, in some instances, a too high approach and would uh, chase away voters possibly uh, perhaps rather than uh, attract them. Uh, but still i mean if you have not uh, the writer politician so to speak as a heading as a head figure uh, the type of churchill or in in a different a different uh, kind of thinking and different kind of style uh, the type of de Gaulle if you like uh, if politicians and writers are divided classes so to speak uh, which is uh, normally unfortunately true of the german scene uh, this way of collaboration of writers and politicians uh, is, a, uh, is a quite uh, happy uh, way of uh, bringing uh, the uh, force of uh, wording, the force of formulation uh, together uh, with the force of uh, decision-making. So, uh, uh, I mean, uh, the United States provides us with, uh, in the case of Kennedy, at any rate, and his collaborators, Serson and Schlesinger jr and others uh with uh, with another with another example uh of approximately the same sort and uh, within this particular area of collaboration uh there is one task involved sometimes at any rate uh which uh, is in a way uh, Neighbouring this field of advertising, which uh, uh, my friend Melvin Lasky was talking about a minute before, uh, namely the wording of really substantial catchwords, political catchwords, as you had in this country, New Deal, Fair Deal, New Frontier, Greater Society, and this sort of thing. Uh, we had recently a discussion in, uh, at home in Frankfurt about about this. Uh, invention of Chancellor Erhard's, uh, this catchword of Formierte Gesellschaft. I don't know whether this is to be translated into English at all. Uh, uh, would you provide me with a fitting translation, Melvin? I don't know. Formierte Gesellschaft? It's,
9: it's meaningless in all languages.
8: <laughs> 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 and uh, somebody, somebody uh, came up in this discussion and said, well, this is a matter of catch. I mean, it doesn't. this was a writer, notably. It's a matter of catchwords. It doesn't affect us. This is not interesting. It's a vulgar kind of prose, so to speak, uh, which does not affect us. And I insisted that it would be very fine and very happy uh, if we had really hitting, fitting, substantial catchwords in our political life, and that was another, another task for writers collaborating with politicians. Thank you.
0: Merci beaucoup. Je repasse la parole à Monsieur Keane. Et puis alors tout à l'heure, je pense que je devrais passer la parole à ceux
4: d'entre l'Assemblée qui veulent dire quelque chose. Monsieur Keane. There has been some discussion uh, which uh, would create the impression that necessarily uh, works of the finest quality uh, would not enjoy as wide a sale or wide esteem on the general public as those of inferior quality. Um, such assumptions like many others which have been made are based entirely on the examples of Europe and the United States uh, without taking into consideration that other parts of the world exist. I might point out that in Japan there are uh, many writers uh, farm perhaps a thousand times as many writers in Japan making a living as writers as in the United States that they do nothing else but write that they are able to make a decent living writing whatever they please, that their income, moreover, is surprising, and that the best writers, the ones that anyone would consider uh, to be the uh, outstanding ones, are the ones who are widest read and have the largest incomes. Uh, Several years after the war, the highest income of any Japanese uh, was that of a novelist, Tanizaki, who was frequently mentioned, although not ultimately successful for the Nobel Prize. Uh, Poets in Japan uh, have a wide reputation, and there are 200 magazines devoted exclusively to poetry. Uh, I mention these things uh, to indicate that it is possible uh, that some of the problems which seem insuperable, which seem to be a necessary part of the Western scene, uh, are not so. That it is possible to discover from a Japanese example how, for example, Uh, one can induce the public to read the best newspaper, not the worst one. Uh, In New York, the Daily News sells perhaps five times as many copies as the Times. In London, the News of the World uh, sells many more copies uh, than the the Times. In Japan, the best newspaper sells far more than any other, and the worst newspapers, uh, by our standards, sell the fewest copies. Uh, I think it'd be possible for us to learn more from the Japanese in this respect, and perhaps then some of the generalizations that have been made here about the role of the artist and the role of the artist as a collaborator would have to be revised. <coughs> <laughs> un, 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 un.
0: Mesdames and Messieurs, on vient de vous parler des rapports, éventuellement, entre les écrivains et éventuellement à la politique, en rapport avec le Japon, et j'ai l'impression qu'il y a quelque chose que nous avons peut-être oublié qui est celui-ci. C'est le devoir des politiciens vis-à-vis des écrivains et des poètes. Et j'ai l'impression que sur ce plan, on vous a parlé du Japon, nous avons l'impression qu'en Amérique, nous ne trouvons pas, pour certaines petites langues européennes, un écho comme nous le trouvons autre part. Par exemple, n'est-ce pas, nous sommes, moi pour ma part, je suis président du Pen Club français de Belgique. Il y a à côté de moi un pen club flamand, qu'on voit d'ailleurs très peu. Mais est-ce que je puis vous signaler quelque chose qui est important et que vous ne sentez pas encore C'est que, de l'autre côté de ce qu'on appelle le rideau de fer, nous nous rendons compte que ceux qui appartiennent à la politique ont un regard plus clairvoyant et peut-être plus lucide sur les nécessités que nous impose la tour de Babel où nous vivons. Par exemple, est-ce que vous savez que la Hongrie actuellement est en train de faire une anthologie des poètes français de Belgique Que la Hongrie a déjà publié une anthologie des poètes flamands de Belgique Que la Pologne a publié une anthologie des poètes belges que les Russes ont publié une anthologie des poètes belges et des poètes, par exemple, grand-ducaux. Nous trouvons la même chose et nous trouvons le même appel, car déjà, actuellement, j'ai été contacté par des groupes tchécoslovaques ou par des groupes yougoslaves pour faire des espèces d'échanges. Et je me dis ceci, considérant ce problème qui est tout de même une chose importante, Alors que les deux langues du Pen Club sont le français et l'anglais, il faudrait tout de même que grâce au Pen Club, il y ait dans les pays où l'on parle le français et dans les pays où l'on parle l'anglais, soit en Amérique, soit en Angleterre, des traductions des poètes qui sont les défavorisants et qui sont les victimes des toutes petites langues pour qu'ils puissent passer au-delà de leur carrefour où ils sont habitués de se trouver. J'appelle à vous, mesdames et messieurs. J'appelle aux américains j'en appelle aux Américains qui sont si puissants sur t- t- certaines, de form- certaines formules et qui, en cette matière, ne semblent pas encore avoir accepté la nécessité d'intervenir pour faire connaître les écrivains et les poètes des petites nations. Je vous remercie beaucoup. <applaudissements> euh, un mot à Monsieur Opoilas.
1: Uh, It seems to me that this is a, a form of collaboration in other men's works that can easily go wrong. We have a very strange problem in England Our greatest poet, Shakespeare, greatest dramatist, too, is uh, becoming rapidly incomprehensible. His language is becoming archaic to a point where the general mass of people no longer understand what he says. It's a most ironical thing that Shakespeare is much more accessible to the German-speaking people, whose great translations were made only about 150 years ago, and even more so than to the Russians, who I should think, on a popular plane of mass audience, are far more aware of Shakespeare than his compatriots in my own country. Now, what is to be done about that? Ought we to modernize Shakespeare? Already, attempts have been made to modernize the other very great uh, work of uh, English literature, the uh, King James Bible Um, There are modern versions of the King James Bible which was the first English Bible to be generally accepted by the people and is part of the language should we also begin to rewrite Shakespeare so that the audiences of English people at Stratford-on-Avon stop talking to each other while the performance is going on about the clothes and the scenery and actually listen to the words that are being spoken. This is already done by some producers. This is a form of collaboration which seems to be extremely dangerous but possibly, in this connection, very useful. There are whole speeches by Falstaff and so on which simply mean nothing at all to the average cinema-goer who uh, has a bash at Shakespeare. And uh, even films of Shakespeare, which were in themselves, uh, often edited texts, uh, are received with total incomprehensibility in many of the um, halls and villages where they've been shown.
0: Je voudrais une fois sortir de notre table ronde, je vois que il y a quelqu'un qui a demandé la parole sur ce point particulier, je suppose. Eh bien je vous passe la parole pour 2 ou 3
1: minutes si vous voulez bien. Oh just one moment. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, having myself uh, perpetrated one of these new translations, I would like to uh, change the expression translating the King James Bible into retranslating the Old and New Testaments, please.
5: Thank you. That also was the point I wanted to make, that of course the King James Bible is only one of many, many versions of what the original speaker wanted to say and the more clearly what his intention is can be passed over the better. And as far as listening to Shakespeare is concerned the One of the great collaborators with Shakespeare, of course, is the actor. And I don't know what Mr. Hope Wallace thinks of English actors. I think he's downgrading them. But American actors are able to get over the thing. And I remember very well in London, at the Old Vic, many years ago, seeing an uncut version of Love's Labour Lost, which is the most difficult of all Shakespeare's plays to listen to, and the audience, which was mostly shop girls. Was enchanted because the actors knew their business.
0: Je vous remercie infiniment, Madame Schut. Je voudrais dire d'ailleurs que le problème qui est soulevé, la question de la traduction dans la langue même, cela touche aussi les Français. Par quand vous lisez, par exemple, du Villon, vous sentez à certains moments donné les mots qui ne passent plus, les formules qui sont euh, vieillis, ou même dans malherbe, n'est-ce pas? Uh, on sent que la langue a subi des transformations et on se demande parfois si un petit, une petite modification ne pourrait pas éventuellement arriver à apporter plus de communication possible. Seulement, je sais, c'est toucher à un chef-d'œuvre et ce sont des questions qui sont vraiment très graves. Mais il y a une dame qui nous a demandé la parole là-bas.
12: I only that there's never been so much Shakespeare, so quietly appreciated, so many places, including in Central Park, in the high schools, and so forth. And I hope no one retranslates it, because I think it's an enriching experience to have it kept the way it is.
0: Uh, Mr. Chairman
13: and uh, fellow members, I'm the delegate from Penn Center in Taipei Republic of China. Um, The writer as collaborator in the mass communications today has encountered a great deal of difficulties due to the control of mass media by certain minority sections of vested interests and the pressure groups in Western, in democratic uh, countries, it is even worse in the communist camp that the writers have no outlet for the publication of their works unless they are strictly following the line in conformity with the political ideology of the communist party. The new the newspapers are now getting more and more concentrated into the hands of a few families in the Western world. Their editorial boards are often manipulated by small groups of people who are not necessarily molding public opinion, but dictating their own bias and prejudices. Under the cover of liberalism, there is fear that many pro-communist elements have infiltrated into the big newspapers and magazines by imposing their own style and deciding on what their contributors share write. It is a great pity that a certain famous newspaper in this metropolitan city has also been converted into a sounding board of communist and the leftist propaganda. It is the reason, it is the reason such intellectual parlance, not only in the form of whole page advertisements, but also in its editorials and literary sections, I would swear. As you all know, publications in Soviet Russia are controlled by the Communist Party and their government. There is no freedom of expression for the writers. The Pravda tells no truth, and the Isbestia have not any news or information. Now, the writers on mainland China are facing a more dangerous situation. That they have been subject to systematic persecution and purge under Mao Zedong's rule during the past 16 years. The recent literary purge on mainland China, in which many prominent writers have been liquidated and imprisoned, is the fifth of its kind carried out by the Chinese communists since 1951. The right of free expression free expression, and the independent split of the writer is totally denied by the Chinese Communist regime. I wish that our Congress would express deep concern for this over the fact and the protest against the Chinese Communists for their persistent purge of intellectuals and the suppression of the creative impulse of the writers in the country which has contributed so much in the past to the literature and the creative art of the world. The Chinese PAN Center in Taipei has prepared a written report about the current <laughs> literary approach on mainland China to be submitted to the PAN International. I hope that all of you will give moral support and a deep sympathy those writers imprisoned in the concentration camps of the Chinese Communists, and take any appropriate action within your power to rescue them. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Mesdames, Messieurs, je vais passer la parole à Madame Ocampo, et après cela, la discussion ou la conversation. Descends de la table ronde pour aller dans la salle et j'espère que vous trouverez les, les arguments les plus importants. Après, je passerai la parole à une voix de l'Australie.
14: Prenez veux... la parole. On entend? Très bien. Je veux répondre à ce que Monsieur Lasky a dit avec sa, son intelligence habituelle. Il a dit que la sincérité ne suffit pas, ce qui est tout à fait vrai. La sincérité n'a qu'un seul traducteur en littérature, le talent. Si on n'a pas de talent, c'est absolument euh, vain, n'est-ce pas, de tâcher de traduire ce qu'on pense. Mais je veux, quand j'ai parlé de la conscience qui était si nécessaire en ce moment chez les écrivains, je voulais simplement dire que si le talent sert pour une propagande ou pour un mensonge, quelquefois, c'est lamentable et c'est triste. Et il faudrait que les gens qui ont du talent et qui traduisent ce qu'ils pensent soient toujours d'accord avec leur conscience. C'est tout. Je vous remercie infiniment.
0: Mais je me pose une question et je me demande ceci. Ceux qui utilisent leur conscience pour dire, par exemple, un mensonge ou pour mal exprimer ce qu'il devrait exprimer j'ai l'impression que comme on dit ici une de long run qu'à la longue cela n'ont pas d'importance ne subsistent que les véritables écrivains qui avaient la volonté de le faire et qui se sont exprimés totalement et je vous passe la parole
15: Frank Todd in Melbourne I must return to the address by Mr Florentino I'm very grateful to him that he brought up a very ticklish subject, that is, the involvement of Asian countries and smaller African countries in the whole discussion which is going on. I'm afraid, with the exception of support from Mr. Keane, he wasn't answered by any of the members of the panel. because as I watched for the last 10 years, even within the pen club, we have developed a tendency to look at our own navels and put on our own problems and bore to death many of our Asian delegates to come, who come here to actually communicate and to have a part of common problems and not go back to the same James version of the Bible which doesn't concern them. I'm afraid that we have spent hours and hours criticizing Medicine Avenue, the deterioration of the English language. But did we think of the many members of PAIN who have the same right to at least have one subject included in these discussions, which would directly end should we say, vitally concern them? That would be real cooperation within PEN. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Is there anyone who wants to say something about this point? Mr. Matejbor, who is the president of the PEN Yougoslave, will give us his voice compétente on the question.
16: I would like to say that I am not anymore president of Yugoslav PEN, but uh, that here we have another one. I have been the president of the former Congress. The president is Mira Michelich now. Uh, So I would like to uh, say uh, only some uh, words about this discussion. Yesterday, when uh, we uh, have uh, talked uh, about uh, the first part of this discussion, Mr. Chairman uh, asked us if we are satisfied with what was. going on. I uh, couldn't say that I was quite, I'm quite convinced that this discussion uh, didn't move a bit away uh, of the problem. Sometimes there have been very fine remarks and very deep ideas about it. But uh, still, uh, probably the formulation of this theme is a bit, uh, a bit uh, it is not quite clear as far as I am concerned. Now, I thought that uh, the um, cooperation of uh, author in other main purposes, it includes uh, more than uh, the language. And uh, if you uh, uh, may uh, say uh, the distortion of uh, modern uh, language, but uh, uh, when I have read the explanation of the theme, I have seen seen that that is a main problem, and therefore I would like to say some uh, remarks on that. In my opinion, the distortion of uh, modern style is due as well to the fact that we, writers, do not anymore produce final products, uh, but we are uh, often Providing only raw material for other uh, arts, for example, for television and uh, cinema. And that this uh, could be as well a reason of this, uh, what uh, we say, bad writing. As far as this uh, discussion between uh, Jean Bloch, uh, Michel, and uh, Mr. Lasky about uh, uh, the same problem. I quite agree that uh, uh, the television and film they are influencing the uh, style of modern writing, but I am not quite sure that this influence is always good, because uh, I must. Uh, there are new ways and new possibilities of expression. I quite agree, but uh, I am uh, afraid that. Uh, a novel which is uh, using uh, the, um, the um, techniques of uh, a screenplay, is uh, in a certain uh, degree poorer than uh, a novel in a classic sense. I would like to uh, say what uh, for. Because uh, in, uh, to speak only in the language of images, uh, to a certain degree exclude uh, the uh, meditation. And I am not quite uh, satisfied with novels and with, uh, with uh, prose uh, uh, which is not hmm? also to a certain degree not too uh, uh, far, to go too far. It uh, shouldn't be an essay, but it must, if it, uh, won, uh, if it, it uh, is to be a, a good prose, I can't uh, see a good prose without meditation. And this is uh, excluded in a, a form of novel, which is going too far, too nearer to screenplay. And uh, I would like to say uh, that uh, I have been a bit surprised uh, that nobody replied. That is another uh, problem. When uh, our friend from Yugoslavia, uh, Bogdan Pogacnik, said that uh, he understands the theme as well, as our commitment in, uh, probably he wasn't right, he should uh, speak about it tomorrow, when we are talking about the writer as public figure. But still, the problem was there, that we have a Congress, uh, World Congress of Writers, and there was uh, uh, at a session, as, uh, as as much as I remember, the resolution And we didn't uh, talk about this resolution uh, uh, put forward by the Greek uh, president, uh, because we uh, said that it is a political issue, namely uh, the uh, position of author, of writer, in the modern world with a a possibility of atomic catastrophe. I wouldn't like to talk today about it because I suppose it will be discussed tomorrow. Uh, But I am not quite convinced that we uh, would have done our work good if we uh, wouldn't say as well that we are very deeply interested in the future life of mankind on this world without
0: being afraid of being too political. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there somebody who wants to speak? I see uh, a hand there. Can you come there and speak? You have a place there, on your left.
17: Mr. Chairman, I only would like to uh, make two uh, points. Uh, One, if I may say so, addressed to uh, Professor Schut, because um, if I may be allowed to come back to the point she made about people having jobs uh, and being writers, as it were, perhaps in their spare time. Now I do in fact agree with her, being an academic person myself, that people in the academic field have in many cases a unique opportunity in using what they are writing as well um, as using it also in their teaching. And therefore there is no dichotomy between what they research in and what they write on. But it does seem to me that this rather glosses over an enormous Mm. problem, and that is the writer who is forced to debase his wares by uh, writing for a living, let's say um, for advertisements or things of that nature, which are not only not a help to him, but in fact may really be a hindrance Uh, As you have been kind enough to talk about history, the German poet Hans Sachs, he was in fact a shoemaker. The question which I want to raise quite seriously is this, if you've got to do an outside job, uh, something not related to your writing, it might in fact be better for you if you did something else, something entirely different, something which would enrich your experience in a different field, Because if we are trying to objectivize at all what we are doing, it is awfully good, I think, to have two bows to your string. And we academics, I'm afraid, are only one. And this leads me to my second point, which I think is related. Uh, In the pen, I think we have the unique opportunity of having um, colleagues who are bilingual, who live in two cultures who are in fact refugees in one way or the other. And I'm wondering when we are talking here about uh, small countries whose literature is not developed, whether people who in fact are bilingual, who for one reason have left their first abode in order to live in a second one, whether they couldn't be used more as translators. Because I don't mean literal translators, just uh, writing translations but communicating the two different kinds of culture, one they have adopted, the other in which they were born, and whether <laughs> within the pen, we haven't got there a field which perhaps hasn't been enough exploited.
0: Thank you very much.
17: The is to
5: Mrs. Schud. I'd like to say I agree with the speaker on both counts. And I feel particularly strongly because I am not a professor I have no academic standing. I have no university connections. And at one time, I thought very seriously of trying to get a job as a Western Union messenger because I had no formal skills. Um, I have a writing system. We sort of supported each other depending who was busy. I am inclined to think it is true that if you can possibly find something you love to do that will pay you that is not writing, it is a very good idea because to have to write for a living Merci
0: infiniment. Je vois que vient d'arriver ici uh, de nos amis qui depuis hier déjà nous a demandé de pouvoir parler. Je lui passe la parole. Voudriez bien dire votre nom
18: et le pays d'où vous venez? Alexandre Balaj de Roumanie. Uh, Monsieur le Président, j'étais très sensible il y a quelques moments quand vous avez énuméré ainsi les celles de traductions de la langue française de, de, votre, de votre pays, une longue série de traducteurs des de autres pays que vous appelez « Au-delà de le, du rideau du fer ». Il faudrait énumérer aussi le nom de mon pays, de Roumanie, qui a traduit beaucoup de choses de votre littérature, de Ferharen par exemple, l'anthologie de la poésie flamande aussi, de Jankeré, etc., Moi, je veux veux répondre en quelques brèves paroles aux problèmes qui ont été ici soulignés par les orateurs et qu'on a reçus dans le programme. Répondant aux questions posées, il faut souligner, après mon opinion, la lecture d'une littérature plus facile, moins prétentieuse, amusante, comme on dit, ne remplace pas, pas du tout et, et jamais, la lecture de la littérature proprement dite. De ce point de vue, on ne peut pas parler d'une crise insoluble du roman parce que le document sur le vif l'emporterait de nos jours sur la fantaisie créatrice. Comme jamais la machine ne va remplacer l'écrivain. Et de ce point de vue, une anecdote, parce qu'on a... Raconter ici beaucoup d'anecdotes et est très intéressant. en ce qui concerne les, la machine à traduire machine à traduire le dernier modèle a à traduire une version par exemple nous disons, on a parlé temps ici de Shakespeare à un, moment, à un certain moment elle déclare il y a deux versions la première A, elle traduit entièrement le fragment et puis la deuxième version B elle traduit encore Une autre version, une autre, euh, le même fragment. Elle déclare « Je ne sais pas quelle version choisir. » Elle fait explosion. Jamais le créateur, et vous devez savoir que dans mon pays, les écrivains sont appelés « Messieurs les créateurs », même par les gens des services de maison de repos, jamais la machine ne remplacera pas la, euh, le créateur, l'écrivain. Deuxième, euh, la deuxième réponse euh, au deuxième problème, Les éditeurs, les directeurs de revues littéraires ne doivent pas du tout empiéter sur la liberté du, du créateur, c'est-à-dire du poète, du, poète, du prosateur, du dramaturge, des etc. Encore, aucun véritable poète ne deviendra jamais un facile versificateur à la mode, ni un grand romancier ne deviendra simple reporter De même qu'aucun dramaturge ne renoncera au théâtre pour les variété. Il est à supposer que ces grands créateurs vont ennoblir quand ils pratiquent les gens, ainsi dites, légers. Et parce qu'on a employé aussi un modèle tiré de l'économie politique, en ce qui concerne la circulation de monnaie et la loi de Gresham, il faut dire que la contagion ne se conforme pas du tout, en ce qui concerne la littérature au principe Gresham portant sur la circulation de la monnaie mais seulement au principe principe suivant lequel la fantaisie ne peut pas être remplacée par le document nu et la liberté ne peut non plus être dirigée selon les recettes comme les recettes de cuisine Merci Merci beaucoup et je vais
0: appeler un autre orateur ne levez pas tous la main notre représentant d'Abidjan va nous parler Vous savez que c'est lui qui va nous recevoir l'année prochaine, les bras ouverts, en Afrique, et je vois déjà la joie que nous aurons en ayant une température un peu plus chaude que celle que nous avons ici.
7: Merci, Monsieur le Président. Monsieur le Président, mes chers amis, mes chers collègues, je serai très bref. J'ai écouté depuis l'ouverture de ce congrès, les uns et les autres, avec beaucoup d'intérêt. Au fond, toutes ces interventions se résument, d'après nous, à à la constatation suivante. C'est que l'écrivain se sent menacé à l'heure actuelle, c'est que l'écrivain, pour ne pas dire l'homme total, se sent menacé, envahi de toutes parts, par la technique, par les méthodes modernes que la, la science lui a offertes. Ainsi donc, l'homme se trouve donc dans l'attitude de de, l'homme des parents qui ont accouché d'un monstre et qui sont incapables de le comprendre et de cohabiter avec ce monstre. Je suis persuadé qu'actuellement, les écrivains, comme tous les hommes, n'ont pas à faire de complexe devant Les techniques modernes. Ce sont eux qui les ont créées, ce sont eux qui les ont favorisées, ils n'ont nullement à faire un complexe devant ce, cette situation. Si il, il est arrivé que l'homme s'est laissé dépasser par la technique, par la vitesse de la technique, ce n'est pas de la faute à la technique, mais c'est de la faute à l'homme lui-même qui, peut-être, s'est laissé bercer par ses lauriers et s'est endormi pour m'exprimer pour pour employer une expression banale s'est endormi sur le rôti je fais donc un appel pressant aux aux, aux hommes je leur dis que les techniques l'électronique, les radios les télévisions ne sont que des outils qu'il a créés il lui appartient lui-même de dominer ces ces outils de s'en servir d'apprendre à s'en servir et ensuite Que l'homme n'oublie pas sa mission, qui est au fond, pour employer cette terminologie des chrétiens, une image du divin. L'homme ne doit pas oublier qu'il est une image du divin, qu'il doit dominer la situation, qu'il doit s'atteler constamment à sa mission. C'est de chercher la vérité, de chercher ce qui est beau, de chercher ce qui est bien. À partir de ce moment-là, nous nous croyons qu'il n'y a pas de problème. Il suffit tout simplement que le poète, l'écrivain, se mette à la hauteur de sa situation, se mette à la hauteur de sa fonction. Celle, justement, que je viens d'exprimer, c'est de rechercher d'être un réformateur, de toujours remettre en question les solutions qu'il a trouvées. Et ce n'est qu'à partir de ce moment-là que nous, ici, rassemblés, Nous serons à même de trouver les solutions qui se présentent à nous.
0: Merci infiniment, mon cher ami. Et je m'en vais passer la parole à Monsieur Laski, mais je voudrais tout de même vous raconter... One second. One second. Je voudrais tout de même vous raconter quelque chose qui est un exemple que j'ai vécu il y a 26 ans. Il y a 26 ans, j'étais à New York et je collaborais à une pièce que j'avais faite avec Maurice Materlin qui était ici. Or, vous savez que Maurice Materlinck appartenait encore à une génération, il était né en 1865, et un beau jour, Maurice Materlinck avait vendu un article pour 2500 dollars à un magazine qui, pour ne pas le nommer, s'appelait Liberty Magazine. Bon, l'article est prêt à être publié quand, un beau jour, j'étais là, j'étais avec Materlinck, et un jeune homme de 18 ou de 19 ans arrive qui dit « Ah, monsieur Materling, je viens de la part du Liberty Magazine, nous avons examiné votre article, et l'article est très très bien, mais j'ai l'impression qu'il faudrait que vous changiez quelque chose là-bas, à la 22e a ligne, et puis un peu plus loin, il y a un paragraphe qui devrait être modifié, et puis à la fin, ceci et cela. Materling dit « Il n'est pas question que je modifie un mot de ce que j'écris, car je sais ce que je veux écrire et c'est ça que je veux dire. » à quoi le jeune homme a répondu ceci vous savez peut-être ce que vous voulez dire monsieur materling mais vous avez vendu votre article à liberty magazine et liberty magazine c'est ce que lui doit vendre à ses lecteurs parce que ses lecteurs aussi veulent quelque chose peut-être pourrez-vous tirer une conclusion de cette confrontation et je passe immédiatement la parole à monsieur Lasky. »
9: Ever since Professor Stanberger raised the problem of the services which a writer can lend to political groups, either those of his own conviction, in which case it's called commitment and sincerity, or those of passing fancy, monetary reward, or just sheer deviltry, in which case it's called irresponsibility. There is, this is an interesting problem because with possibly two of the most interestingly related qualities of a writer is the relationship between his ingenuity and his irresponsibility. There is a certain amount of playfulness and it is certainly harmless when it is directed uh, inwardly or onto the manuscript. When it is directed to public affairs, we get both ingenious and irresponsible uh, formulations. It is because the writer is is this special animal. When some of the great slogans of our day were created, it doesn't make a difference whether one believes in them or not. I can remember 30 years ago as a young student going to Madison Square Garden and listening to Mr. Earl Browder, a leading figure of the American Communist Party at that time, announce a marvelous new slogan. And I, although I profoundly disagreed with it, I wished, a la Oscar Wilde, that I had thought of it. He said, communism is 20th century Americanism. And I thought, my lord, how ingenious, how clever, there it all is, how simple, and uh, Paul Robeson sang songs about a lot of American history. Uh, there was complete uh, 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 cultural uh, devotion, which then American cultural devotion, which became consistent both with communism and Americanism. And uh, uh, my admiration for that phrase, and I still remember it, and I haven't forgotten it, so there must be some uh, value to it, uh, was that of a phrase maker of an era an irresponsible who are some feeling for other people's ingenuity. What one forgets is that there were people who lived not outside that slogan in phrase, which I did, but inside that slogan, who actually believed that communism was 20th century Americanism. And it's at that point where the joke becomes a tragedy. Uh, The slogan, which I remember just a few years ago, which I thought was a a, a marvelous piece of uh, of uh, short, laconic, pregnant writing. You know in your heart he's right. I admire that phrase. I wish I had thought it and possibly for better candidates. But the people who actually believed that and knew that in the heart and believed that he was right, there was a tragic element. And I'm not saying this because one was uh, an extreme rightist, one was an extreme leftist. I remember when Roosevelt used to get uh, marvelous phrase makers, some excellent writers, Robert Sherwood, Judge Rosenman, and uh, he would come up with marvelous phrases and slogans. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, by God, there was much more to fear than fear itself. There were terrible things. There was war, there was fascism, there was a, a, a social decay. It wasn't merely fear, but it served a certain purpose. And uh, I, who admired the phrase, lived ambiguously within it and without it. And uh, we shouldn't confuse, therefore, the, uh, the pleasure and our notion of the usefulness of such uh, 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 purposes with their true function and consequence. There uh, Uh, This, of course, is also true for some of our uh, Afro-Asian friends who move from uh, the 14th and 15th century of social economic development and plunge into this uh, uh, new techniques of statecraft and propaganda. When a poet, and a very good poet, coined the phrase negritude, I think he did more harm to uh, political development in. uh, in uh, as is now recognized in in, uh, French Africa and when uh, Mr. Nkrumah uh, was jealous of that phrase and had a very clever writer think up a compact uh, parallel to that, the African personality and it was clear, it was intelligent, it was was gay, but its it's, uh, political and social effects were I think uh, less than constructive. The conclusion I would draw is that I would much prefer a duller, uh, less gay, less interesting, less sloganized, less formularized way of making politics because the ingenuity becomes a prison. The cleverness becomes a deception. It is a a, a self-pleasing affair for the writer, but uh, uh, whether he believes it or disbelieves it is unimportant in this. Uh, the implication of collaboration as Monsieur Gauffin, uh, uh originally started well. It was a negative one. It is not cooperation. It, there is a, a, an imputation of prostitution uh, in it and uh, certainly what more, literal trans, uh, what more literal definition is there for collaboration of prostitution than collaboration
0: in other men's purposes? Thank you very much. I think Mr. Lucy White asked me to to speak.
2: I was beginning to wonder just where Mr. Lasky was leading us. Um, The comment I want to make is this, um, and it's relative both to what he's had to say um, and to the reproaches which have been um, showered upon us who sit on the platform for our neglect of smaller literatures. I've learned something, um, or I've had something brought home very forcibly to me um, in uh, the discussion this morning, which seems to me, from my own point of view, to be a positive gain. And that is, um, I've received a very salutary reminder of the extent to which writers in smaller literatures um, have remained um, the guardians of the national identity and of the national soul. Um, And indeed, I must confess that, for example, when I read Uh, novels uh, translated from uh, languages spoken by only tens of millions rather than hundreds of millions of people, I often notice about them a kind of richness of social uh, density which doesn't exist um, in English novels anymore. Um, In fact we are approaching um, this problem from two very different points of view. Uh, that The writer in a small country Uh, is much more conscious, I think, of of possible betrayal um, because he knows that the trust is placed so firmly in his own hands. Uh, The writer um, who speaks uh, a a sort of quasi-universal language like English um, is conscious of two other things. First of all, of being pushed to the margins of society, of not mattering anymore and therefore being uh, to some extent free uh, to indulge in adventures. such as writing for radio and television, which may involve compromises, um, but he is also um, he is also much more struck, as I said before, by uh, the kind of uh, shadings of moral problems which come in a very large literature, which offers very many opportunities. Um, I think that the perhaps the most salutary intervention on this subject uh, was made by Madame Ocampo. Um, that her um, distinction between good writing and good conduct is the one I'd like to hold on to. Um, But I would also like to say that I think that in a way this kind of morality is easier uh, in a small literature and that there's a real sense in which I begin to envy uh, such a colleague uh, uh, as Mr. Florentino from the Philippines.
0: Merci, mesdames et messieurs. Nous allons clore bientôt la... So, there are still two people who have asked the word. I'll send a third, I won't be able to change the debate. I'll pass the word for two minutes for two minutes, and then I'll pass it to Mr. who is there, and finally to the person who is behind. You have the word.
19: My name is Tram Combs and I'm a poet from the West Indies. I would like to comment on the things that Mr. Sternberger and Mr. Lasky were saying and illustrate it with two clear and important examples. I do think that the preparation of slogans, catchwords, catchphrases, is one of the greatest social powers of the writer. And therefore, um, it ought to be uh, thought of more by us who consider ourselves professional writers. There are two people who have had the most tremendous impact on their societies, who thought of themselves very strongly as poets and who owed much of their impact to their power with words. One is Mao Zedong, who um, reduced his techniques of guerrilla warfare to slogans which the people working with him could memorize. The other, and very diverse from him, is Luis Munoz Marine of Puerto Rico. Uh, Mr. Munoz owes much of his success as a politician to his ability to create slogans, the most famous of which is inscribed on all of the literature of the flags, the badge is everything of his party, the Populares. The slogan is Pon Tierra Libertad, Bread, Land, Liberty. In connection with this, I would like also to say that I think writers nowadays do not uh, work sufficiently in very brief forms, which people can remember and take with them to enrich their lives. For instance, a very brief poem, uh, which can be remembered at a glance, so to speak. I think that the Japanese uh, haiku owes much of its tremendous popularity to, to this very briefness.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, you have the
1: wall.
0: Yes, and that's
8: it. My name is Leslie Kanyu. I am in exile from Hungary. The question was raised if the refugee writers can help. Uh, in translation of their native literature into English. I should like to mention that uh, such uh, cultural exchange program does exist in our group. We have a literary review, the American Hungarian review, which uh, publishing uh, Hungarian literature in English and English literature in Hungarian. And uh, they published uh, such books as uh, uh, the history of American Hungarian literature and the modern
0: Hungarian literature. So the Hungarian writers in exile
12: uh, do this cultural exchange program.
0: I hope they will continue. And the last speaker, please.
12: Uh, my name is Vera Blackwell from England. I also wanted to add a few words uh, to this problem of translating from small literatures because this is my <laughs> metia. I translate from Czech, being Czech originally. And in particular to the problem of translating plays into English Uh, More particularly, I've translated the plays of Václav Havel, who was invited to this Congress and has not been allowed to come, and it has not been announced for some obscure reason, uh, together with two other members of the Czech delegation. And uh, uh, I had this problem of the translation of plays of Mr. Havel into English. Um, uh, The management, particularly in England, seemed to sort of insist on not, uh, sort of a normal translation, really, But uh, adaptation into the English idiom, uh, which means also in sort of tra- adaptation into, the, into a sense that would be understood in England. Now, we have tried this with the first play of Mr. Havel called The Garden Party. The adaptation was given to Mr. N.F. Simpson. And we have tried three times to adapt. And it doesn't seem to work. Yet uh, this problem exists and we still, still haven't solved it. We are now sort of struggling with the second play called The Memorandum which uh, uh, several managements are interested in, and again insist on some kind of uh, trans um, adaptation that would be because the the problem is that, uh, of course, there there are certain political overtones, certain local overtones, which seem not to be uh, easily uh, uh, transplantable into a big culture which has uh, not these problems. Now this problem exists. Uh, How to solve it? Uh, What is best? I I personally believe that these things should be left as they are, if they are really good works of art. uh, They would communicate themselves. Uh, As for example, the uh, first play of Mr. Havel's has been done in 18 German theaters, two Swiss theaters, two (coughs) uh, in Vienna, in uh, Austria, uh, in, uh, in Sweden, in Finland, And for some reason, we don't seem to be able to uh, have the same kind of success in the English language. That concerns also the American theater, where I've also tried. Uh, So far, of course, not so much because I live in London and I haven't got such uh, sort of great contacts here. Nevertheless, uh, I I should like to hear the panel, if there is time, uh, what they think about this sort of problem of uh, adaptation versus uh, uh, translation.
0: Merci infiniment Madame. Je vais donc lever la séance. Nous avons essayé de confronter l'orateur avec les difficultés qui se présentent actuellement et permettez-moi en levant la séance de vous confronter non pas avec le café que je devais vous livrer vers 11 heures mais avec l'apéritif éventuel s'il y a moyen d'en avoir un ici. Merci.